Hello all and welcome to Bring Your Own Chair, a CX Accelerator podcast. This unique resource is all about you, the CX professional who is out there navigating your career journey. We've got so many incredible people in this community who care deeply about equipping the next generation of CX leaders, and we are bringing them to you. Whether you're looking for encouragement, but there's no more important time than now to learn the skills, the talent, get the advice and mentorship you need to be able to demonstrate your ROI. Equipping. How do you develop your frontline supervisors so that they really are focused on results and relationships or connection. And I loved it, as crazy as that is, but I only loved it because I had support from the community. We've got a space for you at this table. So grab your chair and let's welcome our host, Sally Mildren. Hello and welcome to another episode of Bring Your Own Chair, a CX Accelerator podcast. I'm Sally Mildren, your host. I'm the CEO and Chief Strategist of Clarity PX. We're an agency that helps healthcare and smaller regional health practices grow through aligned brand, exceptional human experiences, and inspiring cultures. I'm really excited about our guests today. They're members of our CX Accelerator community and well-known in the industry. We have Jeannie Walters with us. She's the Chief Experience Investigator and CEO of Experience Investigators. She's an award-winning customer experience expert and international keynote speaker. She's trailblazed the movement from the reactive customer service to proactive customer and experience engagement. And she works to help businesses find clarity and apply customer-centric initiatives that benefit both the customers, the employees, and the bottom line, which is what every business wants. <laughs> and then Kiki Chocolate is a founder and CEO of Unrivaled CX. She offers CX leadership as a service as her model and serves eight and nine figure direct to consumer e-commerce brands by providing strategy, experience and execution that's flexible, dynamic and cost effective. She's passionate about CX and you're gonna love her frame on our conversation today. So welcome <laughs> ladies. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Sally. Today we're gonna talk about goals, setting goals for 2024, provide insights on how, what, when of doing that. But before we get started, I would love to have our guests introduce themselves and tell us how did you get involved in CX? What was your journey to get you to this place in customer experience? Jeannie, why don't we start with you? Sure. Thanks, Sally. Well, like everybody in kindergarten, I said, I'm going to be a customer experience professional, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think we all have a crooked path that leads us to this profession, mm -hmm. and mine is no different. I was kind of starting my career in fundraising consulting and traditional marketing and communications, and it was really the dawn of what I call the big internet when, you know, organizations really had to figure out, you know, we need more than a brochure online. We need people to actually do things. And I was involved with launching the very first online insurance quote, which seems so normal now, but it was revolutionary at the time. And I realized, I looked around the table and realized nobody was there for the customer. It was, you know, marketing, legal, product, procurement, you name it, but nobody was really there for the customer. And so 
at that moment, we really kind of switched our firm. I was partners mm -hmm. with my brother at the time, and we switched from being a traditional marketing communications firm to more of a customer experience driven firm. And then I started this company in 2009. And I really believe that what we do as customer experience professionals makes a better world for everybody. And so the mission of my company from the beginning has been to create fewer ruined days for customers. And I really believe that if we do that well, then everybody gets happier, including our employees. We get better bottom line results and we leave the world a better place. So I'm still just as passionate about it today as I was 20 years ago. That's awesome. Here, here, fewer ruined days. <laughs> That's right. I love that. <laughs> Kiki, how about you? Oh, well, I would say that customer experience is the container that is big enough to hold me in our society. Let's put it that way, because it's expansive from operations, from user research to design. It's about this intangible, subjective experience that we're all having at both a collective and individual level at the same time. It's about interaction. It's about vision. It's about engineering. <laughs> so if someone like myself, you know, I've, I've always been this dynamic neurodivergent person. I grew up in theater arts. I was a modern dancer, choreographer. So I did a lot of work just in my body of understanding interaction. You know, how does movement work? How does it work in space? How does it work at interaction points? And, you know, what can we create from all of those interactions? Similar principle in play in music. I'm also a freestyle musician <laughs> and used to play in, you know, progressive bands with 15 minute songs. So, you know, someone like me was never really thinking about, well, how do I contribute to capitalism? That's just, you know, not really high on the deck for me. So just over time, though, you know, I think as I grew into myself, had a lot of experiences. I worked in service, of course, people like me, always working as a bartender or waitress somewhere, to eventually working in the e-commerce niche where we were taking these same principles of, you know, direct relationships, sales, but applying them to the digital realm. You know, I think my background really started to emerge as a strength for me in the direct-to-consumer e-commerce space. So I joined that in 2015 after I had been an executive assistant for another neurodivergent <laughs> CEO. Uh, he built his business with the foundation of value and customer experience. Because he also knew that it was going to be his differentiator. He was in like a red ocean marketplace uh, with a lot of competition. So I had incredible mentorship from day one when it came to the art of customer experience and applying that into digital commerce spaces. From there, I've gone on to help build brands like Stringjoy, Made by Nacho. I'm a freelance executive now. My little outfit supports seven brands currently. But all that to say, we're incredibly niche and direct to consumer e-commerce. I think it's a fantastic container to apply some of these principles because the teams veer towards being smaller. They're more agile. You know, we can just change the website. <laughs> <laughs> there isn't so many layers of red tape for making changes based on feedback. And we just have that direct access to customers. So that's that's my journey. That's what I do. I have no idea where it's going to take me. I, I really like helping level up talent and collaborating with colleagues just as much as I like helping businesses. So I, I'm starting to look towards 
you know, what does being like a, a true collaborator in the space look like? Well, we're excited to have you. You can see we've got lots of great ideas that are going to come out in this conversation. So when we dive into our topic today, we want to talk a little bit about setting goals. And I want to think about it from the context of both your work, the work for your clients, but then also you as an individual practitioner, you know, maybe how are, how are you addressing that? And I know that when we go into goal planning, there's a certain element of obviously predictive and looking forward, but there's also a piece of learning from where we've come. And so I wanted to start with finding out what kind of key insights or lessons do you have from your work that you might be bringing with you into the planning for 2024? What, what things are you bringing forward from this very interesting year of 2023 where everything has changed? <laughs> it feels like we've been saying that for the last few years, doesn't it? <laughs> sure. <laughs> yes. Because, yeah, and that's kind of what I'm bringing forward is I think that a lot of the old rules don't apply and they will never apply again. And so the people who are looking at, you know, what worked before, before whatever, before the pandemic, before digital transformation, before employee forces were unionizing like they are now, all of the different things that are happening, I think you just throw out that playbook and you try to innovate around what is reality and that's something that I think both me as a business owner and leader, as well as the work we do with clients, that's something we're trying to just really stay true to is what is real right now? What do we think will be real? And what do we not know? And let's embrace what we don't know. We don't know where AI is going to take us. We know yeah. certain things about it, but we don't know everything. We don't know what the economy is going to do tomorrow. We don't know all of these different things. So what can we look at? What can we control? And that's, you know, I'm trying very hard to stay true to that as a business leader. That's awesome. Kiki, do you have anything to add? I love talking to CX people. <laughs> like, oh, I think our, our notes might be a match here. You know, when I when I think about looking back, you know, the pandemic alongside many other catastrophic and traumatic collective events, you know, introduced a paradigm shift. Something that I see across the board is that this this shift, which, you know, could be considered a an entire foundational and environmental shift fractured the vision for a lot of my clients. Now that's that's kind of an abstract statement. I do work with visionary types. A lot of them are seeking to disrupt their industry. They got started from concept, from vision. And then once all of these events, you know, occurred and supply chain fulfillment, you know, brands, some of them had hyper growth, but they're still just reacting and they're putting out fires, this and that. The vision is, it's fractured. It's its not crystal at the executive level and not everybody in an organization is bought into it. So I think this introduces a challenge for goals and planning <laughs> as they seed uh, from a vision. Uh, but all that to say, when I think about the key insights and lessons taking in to the new year to plan strategy, I'm seeing a need to reset the status quo. That's kind of mm -hmm. my focus. Do we understand our current state? 
do we even know our environment anymore? What do we not know about it? And how do we get that information? What data stories are we telling ourselves that aren't just, aren't even true? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so I'll leave, I'll leave it on that. But that, that's kind of the, uh, that's kind of the end of 2023 vibes. <laughs> yes, that, I'd say that's very accurate. So as you're looking forward, like with your clients or in the work, you know, are there specific areas that you think you're going to focus on? Or, you know, maybe, maybe the better question is, how do you determine what areas to focus on? Knowing that we're at this kind of re- rediscovering who we are in what context and what are we going to be for a lot of businesses. It's, it's kind of, as you said, a reset. So how are you deciding what area of growth or what targets are you going to try to focus on? Or maybe you don't know, maybe that's one of the don't knows yet. I mean, I think we have to come from a place of like wanting to understand first, right? It goes back to the Stephen Covey approach of listen mm -hmm. to understand and have the end in mind. And because what I see a lot is that we are using metrics and measurements that have been used for a long time that may or may not apply anymore. There are also <laughs> finite realities. We cannot be everything to every single person and nor do we want to yeah. be. And so when we just focus on growth through customer acquisition, we are missing an opportunity to really just become more for the people who already know who we are, who already appreciate and value what right. we bring. And so I think that's what, those are the conversations I'm having a lot is let's, let's talk about what growth really means for this organization. And let's not get caught up in this idea of, you know, the, I mean, we just saw this another crazy thing, right? Like, well, the new thing must be cool. So everybody get on the crypto bandwagon, <laughs> right? Well, we saw mm -hmm. how well that went. We have all these different kind of shiny things. And if we equate the newest, latest, greatest with the best, then we're missing an opportunity to build relationships with the, the tried and true, the people who are really loyal to us. So I just like to kind of redefine and get very clear. What do we mean when we talk about growth? And is that the most important thing? Or is it time to really reevaluate and reinvest in other places so that we can be ready for that next thing that happens? So I think there's a lot around just definition. And, you know, we work with very large organizations as well as midsize. And most organizations do not have well-defined goals. And it's shocking, but it's true. Like they, they really don't. And so mm -hmm. a lot of what I think the value that we can do when we're talking about customer experience is getting very clear on what our goals are, what that will do for our organization, what that will do for the leaders who are investing in this, and ultimately what that will do for our customers and employees. That's great. I was on a call with a bunch of hospital system leaders and their goals were like, be the employer of choice. Yeah. And I'm like, well, how the heck do you measure that? Yeah, exactly. How they have no idea. There? So they think they have goals to right. your point, but they're these broad swaths of yes. aspirations that have no grounding in what the does that mean? Country. How do you measure it? Who's right? Who does that? Yeah. And so I love that point. Yeah. 
Yes to all of that. I, I think I'm going to be a little abstract here. Atomic Habits. Have we all read that book? Yeah, love that book. Okay, yeah, I, I don't want to. I don't want to be anti-goal, but I do want to talk about the environment and the process mm -hmm. part of the equation. I think when it comes to helping my clients, I notice that the order of operations towards achieving goals usually looks like vision, then environment then process, then goals. Mm. So what I mean by that is vision. That's not just entirely about fantasy. Are you clear on the current right. state? And mm -hmm. do you have a crystal yeah. vision of your future state? Now, before we get yeah. into like building that roadmap, are you even in the environment that's going to manifest that future state? To me, that's a key question. Like, are you using the right tech stack? Do you have the right talent, you know? Do you need to like completely reimagine this environment if you're thinking of manifesting XYZ current state? Hopefully not. You know, we like to work with what we've got. So environment is a key aspect. It comes before process. Processes happen in environments. Mm -hmm. From there, process before goals means how do I already just start doing habits and behaviors that align with this vision. You know, do I have time in my schedule to dedicate towards strategy development or am I always putting out fires? You know, if, if we don't have those habits and some of those just foundational processes in place, there's mm -hmm. just no point in trying to push some growth goal. So to me, once vision, environment, and like the foundations of process are aligned, that's where we really start to build goals. Mm -hmm. And the way we build goals is, you know, through assessing once again, what do we value and what are the metrics that matter under the umbrella of those values? Now, how are they performing? What's impacting them? I'll, I'll end on basically, you know, customer experience. This is a, it's a holistic craft. We are aware that customers are having this expansive journey. There's many stages and touch points. So how do we also not sub-optimize? You know, we don't want to just fix one little thing over here when then there, there's actually like a root cause over here that could really unlock a lot of innovation. So, you know, I think uh, just assessing things holistically when we start to dream up some of those goals and prioritize them is pretty key. And, you know, the metrics that align behind your values will guide the way. Yep. Brilliant. Brilliant. Love it. Want to wave a hanky at both of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, this is, this is pretty transformative conversation based on all the organizations I work with. <laughs> they aren't in that place yet. And so how, you know, how do you lead some of these organizations to this place where they're willing to examine the environment and certainly so much has changed in our world in the last several years it continues to be something else that's changing us but you know in my world in healthcare that world's completely different than it was three years ago and now how how do you get them to acknowledge that where they're at needs to shift maybe altogether or how do you help them begin to prioritize without feeling like we need to bust this thing up and rebuild. Mm. Yeah, I I think 
one thing that I've come to embrace, and we have a saying here at Experienced Investigators that we only work with enlightened leaders. And the reason right. is because if you have mm -hmm. somebody at the top who does not believe in this, who is only mm -hmm. a short-term thinker, who is only looking for those short-term wins, right. this is not going to work. Customer experience is a long-term play. And so you need to invest in a different way than in short-term <laughs> outcomes. And so I, I do think part of it is just understanding that there are certain leaders who, you know, there, there's only so many times you can hit your head against the brick wall, right? And so, <laughs> so there's that. But then when it comes to priorities, I mean, a lot of this does come down to how do you structure the conversation? And, you know, Kiki, I love that you brought up atomic habits because one of the things we talk about with goals, there are two kinds of goals. There's an achievement goal, which is like, yes, we did it. And then there's a habit goal of, yes, we did it every day <laughs> and we did it every day because yes. we know it's leading to the right outcome. Like sometimes you have to invest in getting the right efforts done. And the way we talk about customer experience, the way I talk about it is within an organization, it's really about a mindset, a strategy, and a discipline. And where most organizations fall down is that they treat it like it's magical thinking. They treat it like yes. it's fairy dust. If we just talk about it enough, it's common sense. People will understand. We just have to be nice to customers. Be like Disney, be like Amazon, whatever. And they don't operationalize any of that. And they don't value, right. going back to one of your points, Kiki, again, like they don't value what they're actually doing in this way, in the same way. And so I think that the more that we can show people that this is how you do business, just like anything else, the example I often use is you would never have a bad sales quarter and fire the sales team and say sales doesn't work, right? But people do that to customer experience all the time because they have yeah. not actually defined what success looks like and they haven't tied the right efforts and priorities to those things. So people mm -hmm. walk around thinking their priority is being customer centric, but you and I could have very different definitions and neither one is wrong. We're just asking everybody to make judgment calls when we do that. So it, again, it comes down to that clarity over what are we trying to do as an organization? What is the promise that we've made to our customers? And how do we make sure that we are delivering for our organization and living up to that promise, mm -hmm. not just in the big ways and not just with a poster on the wall, but actually through the everyday efforts of the people and processes and technology and tools that we use. And that's what it comes down to. But it's a lot harder to have that conversation if you have a leader at the top who is not really connecting these dots. Right. Right. Oh, where's my hanky again? Yes. <laughs> <Get treat. laughs> oh, so you know, good. you know, that's really it's interesting. I see that pattern play out in my world, too. But as like a entrepreneur, founder, executive of my own hustle, which has recently transitioned from I to we. I've started bringing on other senior level talent to help with client projects. I think we have to consider what <laughs> container does this level of CX consciousness, let's put it that way, <laughs> what container does this need to be in order for this paradigm shift to be medicine, to be something that can enlighten a person? To a certain degree, I think this is where having a really niche 
vertical comes in handy. I'm a D to C e-com person. Like there's that like group bonding there of like, oh yeah, Kiki's in the game. <laughs> I've seen a lot of setups. They're all in this vertical. But the value add about me and also my collaborators is that we're in this world, we empathize with the problems, but we've also seen a lot of setups. We've seen these patterns play out in a number of different environments across the globe. <laughs> we work with people across the world. And it's, I think, important to have that level of like group bonding and trust of like, I get your environment. I've also seen things from many different perspectives. So I'm here to help you actually understand the environment you are currently immersed in and that you cannot see from an outside perspective like I can. Now, part of being able to do that was taking the risk and becoming external myself. You know, I, I started as an employee in all of this, and then I realized that I couldn't be me and I couldn't do the work and make the impact I wanted if I was stuck in those systems and in those hierarchies and this and that. You know, the work that we do introduces what I call like a design thinking culture. And it's really hard to like radically change a culture if you are, you know, embedded in some type of hierarchy or system within it. Uh, so I think that's kind of number one. Number two is also I have to think about the model of the services I sell. Okay. So I actually land my clients with a three-month initial engagement, which is mostly about achieving clarity, as I discussed mm -hmm. before. But I actually don't try to retain them. I could, I could sell them retainer packages, and I have. <laughs> but my focus is on how can I best serve this group of people within a mm -hmm. short period of time. I think it forces me to be authentic and to tell the truth, but also in a compassionate way. You know, how can I make this medicine? How can I help my clients address those fires and that existential pain today while also anchoring another perspective, anchoring the long game, remaining future focused? Mm -hmm. Something I like to say to my clients is, you know, it's hard to dream up your Barbie dream house when you're like in the emergency room with a broken arm. Unless you're on a bunch of painkillers, then you might be doing that. So from my perspective, I want to help you patch up that broken arm. And I also want to help you not return to the same environment that caused that broken mm -hmm. arm. Uh, so I'll, I'll leave it at that. But, you know, being external and being very methodical about how we deliver services is, is part of the package. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. How do you help them balance that? need for short-term revenue grabs or short-term X with the long-term play, knowing that, you know, post-COVID, a lot of folks are trying to really build this up or, mm -hmm. or need this quick hit, and then they abandon that long play at the same time. So, but how do you help guide folks or what would you say to our listeners is, important in the balance and how do you sell that yeah i'm really curious what kiki has to say about this but going back to goal setting there are sometimes you have to really define baby steps before you can run right and so yeah. when people say well we want to increase our retention rate by 50 percent and yeah. sometimes you say well 
that's great. Historically, what has happened and why? Like, what are you connecting to that retention rate? And they might not even have the right metric. They might not even have the right tool right. to to gather that information. So sometimes you have to back up and say, okay, our goal for this quarter is to figure out what our baseline is. Our goal for next year is to have a working, consistent way to measure retention rate. Our goal for the following year is to then, you know, improve it. So people see progress and, you know, I like, I also like to say progress over perfection. None of this mm -hmm. is perfect science. I don't care how much you put a spreadsheet in front of me. I refuse to believe that we are human beings and we make no sense. We make no sense. And so it is always art and science. We have to innovate. We have to think ahead, but at the same time, we have to rely on data and to provide those insights so we can make better decisions, but they're not mm -hmm. perfect decisions. And so it's all about kind of looking at what are we trying to do? What are the very next steps that we need to get that clarity so we can do the thing that we want to do so that we can get those outcomes? And then how do we show that progress so that our leaders see it as progress? And that's the part that I think CX often falls down on, frankly. We have these beautiful dashboards. People look at the dashboards and they go, oh, cool. The pie chart hasn't changed in four months. They have no context. They have no understanding of what those numbers mean nor should they, because guess what? Those numbers might not do anything for the organization. So if I'm the CFO, I don't care what the NPS is if we're losing money. And so right. that's the context we have to really provide. But sometimes that means saying, okay, if you wanna measure that, great. We need to totally revamp our tools and technology. That's not a small mm -hmm. ask, that's not a short-term thing. So it's just breaking it down, breaking it down, breaking it down so that you get to the truth of what the next step is. It's great. Awesome. Mm. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I love talking to CX people. It's always, it's always such a treat. <laughs> yeah. To, to speak to, you know, like, how do you sell this? How do you package it? I think that vision, understanding, strategy, these are just things that I have to value, that my team has to value. I actually don't expect my customers and my clients to value that. My clients want to play with new shiny toys. <laughs> they want to talk to ChatGPT. They want to plug in all the AI. You know, if we think about the CX strategy process, which I'm just going to read this off of a template. Mm -hmm. Understanding of customer, understanding the promise, the value proposition, <clears throat> understanding the customer journey. And then you move into measurement analysis improvement. If we look at that framework, I would say my clients tend to want to immediately jump to analysis, measurement analysis and improvement, mm -hmm. but we lack understanding. Mm -hmm. So when they start talking about insights programs, I say, you're not ready for that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Insight is something to be achieved. Insight is yeah. a deep, intuitive understanding. And something that we have to do as operators and as executives is train our intuition with data. Mm -hmm. So Jeannie said it best about like modernizing technology and process, because that's the number one thing we see our clients needing to do. And I firmly believe that this is a liminal space we're in. There's going to come a point where we don't have to focus so hard on modernization and migration and this and that 
you know, we're going to be in the technology that serves our needs for, you know, X number of years until it doesn't again. <laughs> but right now we're in this liminal space. A lot of businesses need technology services, business transformation services. But once that technology is in place and you also understand your customer, you understand what's important to know about your environment. You can build those systems out to then track those things. <laughs> That's where we really start to achieve insight. We know that the data has integrity. It is correct. It is centralized, well-organized. The correct people are analyzing it. That is super key. Then we can start to achieve insight and then we can have that, hmm, now what? Now what should we do at this moment? Mm -hmm. But yeah, data, data is a mess right now. <laughs> so no, most of my clients aren't ready for insight. They just want to play with toys or put out the fires. They want to put out the fires yeah. with toys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so business model wise, I've just learned that I've got to just put some incredible technology talent in front of them while I work behind the scenes on strategy. Mm -hmm. They're not going to value mm -hmm. it. They're not going to pay me for it. So, you know, we're, we're building more of like a, a business transformation outfit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's so good. So for you personally, as practitioners or individual leaders in your organization, what kinds of things are you going to prioritize for your own career and your own journey, your own personal well-being this year. Oh man, doesn't that sound good? <laughs> Prioritizing personal well-being. No, I think yes. that I really took a lot of lessons from the lockdown period, honestly. I I created new habits for myself and my family and just like prioritized things that I didn't in the past around even just the way I get outside several times a day and the way I prioritize sleep and all these things, but you know, I think one of the things that as a leader, I'm always looking for is how can I, like one of our values at my organization is about being a lifelong learner. And I really believe that if you're in customer experience, you have to be, you have to keep up in a different way. One of the traits of, I think, great CX leaders is curiosity. We have to be curious about what's happening. We have to be curious about what we're hearing and what we're seeing in the marketplace and everything. And so I think that's one of the things that I'm really trying to figure out as a leader is how do we make sure that we're incorporating that more in our culture? And we've done that with certain client events. We always share things. And I'm realizing that's a gift that we should have inside our organization as well. So really prioritizing, just keeping our finger on the pulse of things and lifelong learning in general. That's good. Awesome. Love that. Oh, that's amazing. Kiki, how about you? Ooh, well, I'm learning a lot about myself doing this little, you know, hustle of mine, you know, for context, I'm 30 years old, don't have a college background, have a very fail forward lifestyle. <laughs> so I use startup principles to do what I do. I can't necessarily say I'm going to be doing this, everything that I'm describing forever. I'm probably not. It's a liminal space. I've, I've gotten the chance to assess my strengths and my passions as I've taken on a variety of client projects and been exposed to different environments. And the thing I learned about myself is that I, I love to talk. So thanks for having me. 
I love to talk. <laughs> I love to assemble. So thanks for assembling with me. And I love to collaborate. Those are the things yeah. I love to do. Doing end-to-end -end client services and carrying a lot on my shoulders by myself doesn't necessarily fit my vibe. I love to bring incredible talent together to solve meaningful and challenging problems. The yeah. people I attract in my life are the people who want to look at the really hard stuff mm -hmm. and figure it out. And the thing is, is we like to do it. Like we think it's fun. <laughs> so, you know, I, I want more of that. Okay. And I want to figure out, you know, how, how can I make this a, a sustainable pathway for me? I don't know if it's just being some kind of like CEO figure for an agency or, you know, just getting into a cool network or environment that loves us neuroemergent thinkers. We'll see. The best is yet to come. There you go. Awesome. Sounds like the path that probably every founder and entrepreneur is on as well. <laughs> yeah. We get into this, we yeah. all the work ourselves, and I'm like, I don't like this work. <laughs> yes. Have you ever had a day like that? Yes, for yeah. sure. For sure. I appreciate that. So I have two more questions for you. One is, do you, do you have any specific tools or resources that you're excited about for 24? Or are you just kind of wait and see? I think. I will admit I'm super fascinated by this whole custom <clears throat> API with ChatGPT and some of the other tools. Like, I think that's going to be interesting to see what happens with it as well as experiment with it a little bit on mm -hmm. our side. I am not, you know, a, a technologist by any stretch. I have a son who's a computer science major who is really into this. So mm -hmm. I have fun giving him little assignments. <laughs> so I'm, I'm very fascinated by it. And I know that we don't, we're at the tip of the iceberg and that's what mm -hmm. I think is so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Do you see any shiny objects for you? If I'm going to be honest, I am completely not excited about any tools or resources right now. I want people to use their existing resources correctly. That is what I want. I deeply want that. Most, you know, modern, popular tools, technologies are good enough. Please just set them up correctly. That's yeah. I, yeah. I beg of thee and lean out your tech stack. <laughs> the best is yet to come. A lot of things are just little shiny objects and distractions to your business right now. Just set your environment up correctly, optimize it, and then hang tight for a few years. Wait for the really good stuff to come out. Right. That's good. Good advice. I appreciate that. So the last question for you, ladies, is if you had one piece of advice for the new year for our listeners for planning it or as they head into the new year, what would that be? Your parting sentiment. <laughs> you know, you asked this question in the, you know, in the email leading up to this. And I really thought about it and I was like, what is next year? And it does feel like. <laughs> evolution is happening at a faster pace right now, like with just the way technology is advancing and the way even humans are advancing, like our, mm -hmm. the way we're watching kids' brains change and attention spans and all of those things, people are reading less and consuming more information at the same time. So what does that mean? So 
all of that I think is really interesting. And I think what that means mm -hmm. is that we really have to see ourselves as kind of Renaissance people. We, we really have to embrace the humanity of everything in a, in a bigger way and be more intentional about that as mm -hmm. at the same time as knowing that, you know, artificial intelligence and all of these amazing tools are happening at a rapid pace and we don't exactly know where those are going. So really kind of starting with strategy, starting with vision, starting with what do we want the world to be for us, for our customers, for our families, and then really leaning into both sides of that, like the human side and the, the I, I'm using the word technology and it seems like such a small word for what we're actually seeing, like the way everything's coming together. So that's, mm -hmm. that's how I'm kind of looking at it as maybe next year is the experience renaissance where we really have to think about all these different ways that we can be intentional mm -hmm. about humanity and art and all these wonderful things at the same time as all of this evolution on technology is happening. Awesome. Kiki, I know you have thoughts on this. <laughs> <laughs> I feel seen. <laughs> Well, the thing I immediately wrote down when I saw this question was decide who you are, be that, and be open to being so much more than that. So good. Yeah. We just have a collective moment of silence on that one. Ooh, that one's good. Write that in the beginning of your like 2024 planner or your journal or whatever. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. <sighs> yes. Yes. If I'm to just expand on it for the, you know, the service of the idea. I would say that we're coming to a point where our communities and our collective future is what's important. And in that, it's important to have a collective of actualized humans. So there is a paradigm where knowing who you are on an individual level, knowing your strengths, knowing how to use those strengths to serve a collective, those are incredibly important things to create creating a functioning harmonious society it doesn't have to be this hyper individualized me against the world and when we think about being so much more than who we think we are that's going to come from community i only have a mm -hmm. sliver of an idea of who i am <laughs> getting that complete picture and understanding you know the level of my personal impact and my personal potential, that's all going to come from community collaboration. So. I love yeah, that. It, yeah, I'll say for CX professionals specifically, you know, we introduce a paradigm shift. We're divergent thinkers. Mm -hmm. We're systems thinkers. It's really important for us to have some of this language to coalesce an identity so that society understands who we are and what we have to contribute. That's so good. And I saw a study that said 75% of B2B decision makers in 24 forward are going to be 25 to 40, early 40s. Mm -hmm. And so I think that this is such a timely frame of reference for us to consider because, you know, the old comb over is retiring. <laughs> now it's time to really maybe adapt how we have planned and strategized and done things going forward because the folks that are in that range 
Kiki is now calling the shots mm -hmm. on on the B2B businesses. And I think it's going to be really exciting and healthy for all of us. That's yes. Fun. Yes. You better I make good software products. Make good stuff. <laughs> yes. I will advocate for you if you make good things. And I yes. won't even ask for an affiliate link. Just please <laughs> right. make good stuff. Well, I thank you ladies both for joining us. And, you know, if you joined us looking for a one, two, three step of how to plan your goals, <laughs> I think you got something far richer, which is how do we frame where we are in time and where we're heading as humans and in our organizations? Both of them said it. We are change makers. We're not just a little cog in a wheel, but we are helping drive the new normal for many businesses. And I think that's such a powerful and exciting place to be. Know who you are, be that, and be open to all the things you can become. <laughs> in Kiki's wise wisdom, we'll sign out on that. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> this episode of Bring Your Own Chair is great for CX professionals trying to change the world, or at least their own world. I love how this episode really feels strategic. From Stally reminding us to think not only about the decisions we're making, but how we're going to decide what we do as the world changes. To Jeannie's point about what kind of leader needs to spearhead customer experience and Kiki's awesome approach to vision, environment, process, and goals. Thank you, Jeannie, Kiki, and Sally for sharing your insights and connecting the CX community once again. Thank you for joining Bring Your Own Chair, a CX Accelerator podcast. Make sure you get involved with the CX Accelerator community at cxaccelerator.com. Consider recommending this episode or podcast to someone in your network and give them a seat at the table.